Hey, I'm Adila. I'm Shen. Welcome to, to the, the second, second episode of Book Kakis. You may have heard from our introduction that we have our official name for our book club. Yay! Yes. Yeah, so thank you everyone who voted on both our Spotify and our Instagram. Mm-hmm. And based on pure democracy, <laughs> we just went with the community decided name which is Book Kakis. Yes, and I think there was also two more suggestions for other names. One mm. was the Kiasi Book Club and the other one is Kiasi Book Club. <laughs> Kena Book. Kena Book. And also there's a Buku... Buku... Kaki, kaki Buku. buku. Uh, kaki yeah. Buku is a Malay translation of Book Kakis lah basically. Okay, so our plan is that the base name is going to be called Book Kakis. Yes. But at some episodes, we will switch it around with Other your names. suggested names as well. So do look out for this random episodes yeah, where we have your names. Why we're doing this? Because we just like to be extra. <laughs> <laughs> and random. Yes. And you never know what's coming. Mm. <laughs> okay, so continue to send in your suggestions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because you will influence how we open our episodes. So, today, we are going to go through chapters 3 and 4. How yeah. do you find the book so far? Going um, in now, we are considered halfway... Yeah. Halfway already, yes. Uh I would say my favorite chapter is chapter four. <laughs> nice. The last chapter. I really had a lot of fun reading it because it gives a lot of examples and also like practical points on how you can go about designing. Ah yeah yeah. 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 And, and I like I like how the author <laughs> mm. <laughs> I remember your your joke about <laughs> how the Bishan author. <laughs> <laughs> she also even have a structured way of listing down like using these different factors how would you apply as a mm. designer one thing I like about how she also wrote this book right I like how she opens up each chapter with a relatable story yeah it feels a bit like you're injecting a bit of like the slice of life mm. okay cool how about we jump yes. into chapter 3 Let's. which is on um, product Presence. Right. So actually, when we close off chapter 2, right, that is where we get familiarized with this framework. The five rings are presence, expression, interaction, context, and ecosystem. Mm. Yeah. So chapter 3 is on the first ring, which is product presence. Yeah. The innermost ring. So basically, it's about the overall impression of a product based on its embodiment. So imagine if you walk into a party, there are certain people with stronger presence. Yeah. I think this is similar to maybe people who have like charisma about them. Or yeah. maybe they are, have strong body language. Correct, yeah. So imagine if you just scan through the room, right? There are definitely some people that you can kind of... You already have some sense towards them already. Like, oh, mm. okay, this person, I think I can kind of bite with, you know. Uh, or yeah. this person, oh, okay, I think I may feel a bit tense. So all this is what we consider presence. Like how strong or how weak the presence are. Mm. The chapter basically started with a heartfelt story of the author's mom losing her ability to rely on a computer as dementia crept up. The reason why the author mentioned that is because then she has been admitted to the hospital. Mm. Um, that is where uh, she brought up this product called LEQ. Mm. And this product is a great example to kind of bring up the points around how a product can have presence. So she also mentioned this term called embodiment. 
So embodiment is basically you kind of give a physical body to a software. Mm. So LEQ is almost like this smallish robot with a tray that you can dock your phone beside. Yeah, so it's a hardware and a software mm. uh, working together lah. What's interesting is that this robot will actually tilt its head and look at the phone that's right beside it to kind of nudge the user that hey um you know you someone is message, calling you uh, yeah because imagine as an old person when you have the phone ringing maybe you don't have the ability or you don't have that same vigor of just checking your phone all the time so to have a robot like a bit like a personal assistant yeah so it's like nudging the old person to actually respond. Yeah, I think that's a good point as well because software can be a bit daunting, right? Mm. It can be a bit scary also. So an embodiment of a software, like you have a lot of ways to deal with the design, to make it very approachable, to make it a certain characteristic. Mm. Yeah, and that actually helps to ease the experience lah mm. of let's say um in this case the author's mom who has dementia. Yeah, so what she was saying that basically the meaning of presence. Is the characteristic upon the thing that is being built on? To me, that sounded like what message is this thing exuding? Mm-hmm. Yeah, back to our the party example, right? Like mm. when you walk into the room, someone with a full sleeve of tattoo, mm-hmm. then you just kind of feel something towards this person already. You subconsciously be more wary, or like someone who chooses to wear like a fedora hat in a room, mm-hmm. then you just ooh, this classy Bruno Mars doing here. <laughs> Or maybe someone who decides to wear a suit mm. to a party. Then you're wondering, who is this rich CEO guy? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, which startup do you found? <laughs> That's a introduction towards presence. Lah. And then we moved on to talking about product semantics. Yes. Yeah, which is quite interesting. Because um, the first thing she brought up is this term called gestalt. If you have listened to our previous episode, she brought up this doorman example, like going through an automatic door versus a uh, actual doorman standing at the door. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back to that example, right? Actually, there's also some product semantics in there because let's say you are walking towards the doorman, and the doorman actually spots you and he's waving to you to kind of welcome mm. you. Right? It gives you the assurance that you arrive at the correct place. Yeah, it's like oh, oh, hello, hello, hello. I feel welcome. Someone, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone recognize me. They were saying about having this doorman. It's like a standout experience. For example, if let's say if you go to any other building, there's no doorman. It's all self service. You are just expected to do everything on your own. But having a doorman, it says a lot about the building, about the brand mm. of the building. Mm. Like you have some prestige. Building on that also like the stance of the doorman. Mm. Imagine this doorman wearing a full black suit, mm-hmm. and he's really standing straight. And being very focused, wearing and gloves, his yeah, mm. or white gloves, you know, and this just gives like to tell the potential intruders, you know, um, don't mess with us. Mm. I take my job very seriously, and mm. if you wanna find trouble, mm. then I'm prepared for it, you mm. know. So these are like this social presence it's that basically you give one out. more obstacle for the potential intruder to have to deal with, uh, mm. and they will just decide not. Off. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Another part which is very interesting to me also is she talks about the absence. Mm. Like even the absence of a doorman is also kind of a social presence which sounded a bit counterintuitive, right? Because how can it be present when it's absent? Mm. But what she meant was that um, in the doorman example, the absence of a doorman just simply means it's after hours. So no presence is also giving a message. 
Then she also brought up like a very, very relatable point because I think as Singaporeans, we all like to travel around, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so she also mentioned um, one of the... Uh, very prominent... Prominent examples. Feature of airports. That would be kiosk. So uh, basically, she mentioned about how kiosks are recognised from a distance and to have the kiosk screen facing upwards. It's like, imagine the presence of the kiosk itself provide assurance to travellers that you as a traveller from far you just know that they can access their trip info mm. Yeah, that they are there and they are ready to travel uh, to, ready to check in and so far I think the design is quite universal so for travellers irregardless of language that they just know that, that it's a machine expected to assist you with your flight check in so when she was talking about this, I was uh, thinking of the kiosk at Changi Airport. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that whole screen facing upwards. Because to me, the kiosk at Changi Airport always feels like a small penguin. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, to me, they design it in a way that is very approachable. Mm. Like they could have designed it very brutalist, right? Or like very metallic mm. looking. Yeah. Oh, they have like rounded corners also, right? Very yeah. rounded. If, if you recall, it's almost like a tip of a spoon. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. like a spoon. And then the most is at your shoulder level. Mm. So it won't be taller than you. You feel like you're talking to a kiddo. <laughs> you don't feel intimidated. La. You feel yeah, like you can approach with, this uh, thing. And then you don't feel intimidated by the height or by the... Correct. And I think that's something that they design purposely for. They want the whole check-in to feel as uh, soothing as possible and easygoing as possible. So next one is basically about non-verbal language. Where it's still under product semantics. It's a deliberate creation of formal characteristics to communicate a product's role. So some of these examples of characteristics include like the shape, colour and the material. So as we mentioned for the kiosk, right, for example, uh, how the kiosk shape is harmless. It looks, it, it looks like roundish and then the colour is like on point with the branding of the airlines. And the material itself is not a flimsy material. It looks like a sturdy and reliable material. That you cannot just topple it over. Mm. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. So these are some of the non-verbal language. Right. So imagine like maybe the kiosk. So let's say today you go into Terminal 3 at Changi Airport. Suddenly all the kiosks are wearing a leather jacket. All the kiosks suddenly are made of leather. Mm. They just, wow. Why suddenly so a test? Yeah. <laughs> so like, is this a business section? I'm not yeah, supposed to eh. be. <laughs> I walk into a business class section, is it? Yeah. Mm, okay, uh, okay, actually, okay. yes. Huh? Like business class seats are leather, ma. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, and okay. then the, the cattle class, the called economy <laughs> class, <laughs> are like short fur cotton. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so that is the play with materials giving off different um, messages yeah. different feels yeah she also brought in like um, when designing for product semantics you have to think about like what's the product's character and also what's the story behind the character mm. basically when they develop the story they are giving life to the product la. ah another thing about semantics or uh, product presence is that it helps to give some social roles to humans Let's say you want a reno for your house, right? Then yeah. you see a construction guy coming with a measuring tape hanging on the pocket. Then you just feel like, wow, this person knows their job. They are very professional. I'm someone who cares about, uh, you know, precision, mm. about um, engineering. So actually, I have uh, similar thoughts too. So for example, uh, when I go to a cafe or when I was in studio last time, right? Mm. Then I see someone using a Lamy pen. Mm. or a barren fig pen, right? Mm. 
then to me I just feel like wow this person really is particular about the stationery they use mm. yeah so that is also a kind of a social role uh, in a sense mm-hmm. one example I can think of is when you see someone wearing a specific brand of headphones it sort of advertises to people that oh I'm serious about listening to good music it's more like a statement uh, basically mm, it's a statement piece and I'm pretty sure part of the money you pay yeah. is for that social statement so in the social roles the author she describes some key factors in the social nature of objects beginning with three aspects of the overall relationship we have with our products and these three ideas are relational what role does the object play in the relationship between person and product second Emotional, what feelings does the object evoke through its use? And lastly, third, conditional, how do the various states of the object affect the way it's perceived and used? So under relational, what she mentioned about what role does the object play in the relationship between a person and a product? So the robot vacuum can be seen as a housekeeper, a butler, or a bartender, or even a nanny. So the third one will be conditional, yeah. How the various states of the object affected the way it's being perceived and also used. One very easy example she gave is that how would the product behave in different conditions like when it's on, when it's off, or even when it's charging or when it's uh, active. So following the example that she gave, the same robot vacuum example, if let's say the robot finished cleaning, maybe it gives a moment of jubilation, like it gives a little dance of happiness that it's done cleaning. Another funny example is when it passes by a particularly dirty spot, maybe it will say, yum. Okay, so to close off chapter 3, I'll take away on product presence. So I think one thing to me is the semantics, how they appear even before you interact with them. I really like the airport kiosk example because it is a very embodiment of this whole idea of uh, product semantics. What about you? I like the author mentioned about the social roles and the to develop product character and story. Mm, so mm. when you have a character and story in mind for a product, it, it gives a sort of life and attitude towards the product. So it's easy for teams to align together. So not just designers, but even engineers or maybe even even like product owners. So there's an alignment of design decisions and even in product decisions so that they know that, okay, does this make sense for this story? Does it make sense for this uh, character of this product? We, we all know that narratives and stories captures mm, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So having a story as a kind of a backbone to a product, it really connects everyone functionally, factually, and also like emotionally. Okay. Oh, okay. So that's chapter three. Yes. Okay, chapter 4. Okay, cool. So chapter 3, we talked about the presence of a product. Mm -hmm. And then chapter 4 is where we moved one level up, which is expression. Yes, expression. Expression was a brand for hair, is it? (laughs) Is it face? I know know this tagline. I've heard this music before. (laughs) From the TVs. Is it slimming? Oh yeah, maybe. (laughs) Okay, anyway. Some people might get it, some people might not. Okay, anyway. It's very telling about age, really. Yes. 
Alright, okay, so this whole chapter is about the product's ability to use its physical presence to communicate messages. So mm. it's more about how it communicates to others. Mm. Yeah. The author started out the chapter with a story about how she used her interaction with her dog as an example for non-verbal expressions. Because basically, you know, dogs cannot really speak, right? So once the dog recognizes or detects there's a visitor at the door, the, the dog will actually bark and jump and give a lot of expression to tell her that it's here, it's here, someone's here. It reminds me of my interaction with my cat also. Ah, yeah. okay. It's like when I have friends, for me, one look, right? I know Dusty likes or don't like them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So and it's really cute. body expression. Author also brought in there's this thing called the body language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sometimes you look at a person, you can kind of tell the state of that person already. You know, sometimes when you go for a gathering with friends, right? Yeah. Then you can tell that one person is not happy. Ah, uh, <laughs> from the body language. Uh. Yeah, from like all giving the cold shoulder or avoiding eye contact. Then you just kind of have an inkling that, okay, something is wrong with this person. Yeah, yeah. You know, so all these are body language that, uh, like, how can we translate this mm. to a uh, product? The author put together a table, right? So basically, in the table, she puts examples of messages that products tend to communicate. One example can be when the product is trying to communicate, I'm alive. Uh, that is through the power via cord or battery, how it's connected. Um, and then if, for example, if the product wants to communicate, I'm awake or asleep, then it's basically trying to communicate that this product is on a standby mode status. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking at just the first one, like, I'm alive. Mm. Like, it gives you a lot of ideas on how you can design around it already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe when you plug in this robot, then the cord, maybe you have lights ah, from yeah, from yeah, the yeah. socket to the machine. La, Sounds like for, to, or to the umbilical body. cord. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, something like that, right? Then it just feels like, oh my god, yeah, nutrition is going into, <laughs> into a robot. I'm feeding a robot, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then it just gives you all these like very funny, interesting ideas la, mm. that, you know, how can you uh, amplify this message mm-hmm. that the robot is alive or you are like resuscitating the robot <laughs> in a way. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that's very cool. So basically, the author followed up with there are three ways an object can express such an expression, uh, which is using light, movement and sound. Mm, yeah, okay, so let's go into light. How light can help a product to express better. For example, a light glowing on a coffee machine is to show that, okay, it's ready to press and ready to brew or driving lights as indicators, mm-hmm. the left and right of mm. a back of a car. Mm. Yeah, I actually like that the author also explains a bit of the tech behind it. All this, right, like using of lights to kind of help a product express something is because there's an introduction of microprocessors mm. yeah, with LEDs as well. So designers or engineers, you get more option to play around with the control of the color, of the, of the intensity as well. It reminds me of the Coldplay concert also. Mm. Yeah, like sometimes it's a strong laser, then sometimes it's a very faded uh, light. So she gave some pointers for us designers to keep in mind when designing with light. So firstly is to use sparingly. Is this important enough to wake someone? Uh, basically because you don't want to be using so much light. Then there'll be light pollution. Then you, 
<laughs> then you won't be able to know like which light is of is of importance. You see, Correct, because yeah. yeah, then your eyes start to sense like there's just too many lights. It's just too bright. Then, uh, secondly, is to take advantage of dimensions, that the intensity, color temperature, and the color saturation of uh, light. I think another point also, which is very practical, which is you need to make sure that how would this light be like in both? Light be like how would this light be like in both <laughs> uh, daylight and also at night? Because it will definitely work better at night, lah. So that's about light. Lighter. So moving on, mm. we are moving on to movement. We are moving on to movement. Haha, <laughs> get it? Moving on. <laughs> I just realized the joke. Alright, okay. So it's about using of gesture. How could a product gesture to express something? So for example, let's say a product wants to check with you if, uh, if something is a flower pot. Yeah, instead of saying, okay, is this green object 17 inches from the table edge of flower pot mm. versus it just pointing to the flower pot and say, is this a flower pot? Mm. So which one is more accurate and which one it's easier to understand, right? So it's definitely the latter, which is more snappy. It's mm. more accurate because uh, you see what they are pointing at. That is uh, basically movement that is involved already in the designing of the products. Yeah. So she also points out that, you know, historically, right, we are very prone to movements. Yeah. As uh, hunter gatherers, things moving can pose threat or an opportunity to us. So from an evolutionary standpoint, our senses are more finely tuned to notice this kind of uh, movements. And mm. this kind of movements is something that we can kind of capture and put it into the products that we build in the future. La. So back to the automatic door and also the doorman example. When you walk towards the doorman, the doorman actually nods at you. That is actually a movement already. It's a very mm. subtle movement, but actually it gives us a very strong message. That's a very natural movement. La. That is uh, universal. However, when we are designing products, right, we have to feed them that natural instinct. Movement. Yeah, <laughs> which I think that's quite interesting, right? Like, mm. how do we put those natural instincts into uh, something that is more binary? Yeah, so that's why we, we as human beings, we stand out because we understand this thing called body language. Mm. So the author also, she brought up an example about how students who are studying animation, they had a standard exercise of drawing and animating flower sacks as minimal as possible to express the range of emotions. So mm. imagine the emotion of joy. You know, when you are happy, the character will be like exploded. <laughs> you know, this is very star looking. Mm, like inflated uh, also. Yeah. So the, the flower sack looks like that as well. So if it's sad, then maybe the character will look slouching, looking down. So this restriction itself is to really make the flower sack come to life based on movement. So to conclude this movement part, the author gave some pointers on movement. So she was saying that movement is the most exciting among all three. However, it requires a lot more energy than sound or light to produce because there's a lot of moving parts. Mm. So it has a greater tendency for failure from wear and tear. And I can imagine it can also be a safety hazard. Lah. Yeah, okay. We have gone through light. We have gone through movement. So the last part in this chapter is sound. sound. Yeah. Light and motion requires a bit of translation for the original message. Whereas sound is more direct. When light is circling like 
there needs to be a basic understanding that okay, the circling light kind of means loading, mm. and maybe there there is bound for inter- misinterpretations. Mm. Yeah, the same goes to motion as well. Yeah. So sound is definitely more direct because it is foundational to how we communicate to each other socially. Mm. Yeah. So um, the author actually. Brings in an example is let's say a washing machine. Yes. Yeah. Done. Which is a good example. <laughs> yeah, it's a good example, and it's the sound that haunts me actually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my Samsung washing machine. Not just you, my husband also. Yeah. Whenever he hears the the music, he will be like, uh, uh, time yeah. time to <laughs> hang the laundry." <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the sound it's a good way to indicate that the cycle is completed. Um, sound is also good because it kind of evokes. Uh, memory. So the author also say like you know we can recognize songs just by listening to a small part of it. Mm. So actually, I re- I remember there's like this TikTok challenge of them just playing a split second oh, of the song. Oh, a snippet of a song. Yeah, and actually just a, a split second. Wow. Oh, okay. Then people are able to know what's the song. Ah. Like, Another more uh prominent song is. Ding ding, ding ding, yeah. And it's just two notes. Mm. Yeah. 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 Okay, okay. So she also introduced us two classes of sounds. One is very literal, like the actual phrases, la, meaning as is, like for example, talking to Siri, then Siri replies back with, ding ding, your weather today is cloudy. Mm. Yeah, so that's literal sound. Whereas mm. the representational, it's more tones. Mm. Melodies or blips, which is so it signifies ding ding. it signifies something like messages coming in or call coming in. Yeah, so I think the the series is a good example because it comprises both. The representational sound reminds me of whenever I use my Bluetooth earpiece. Uh, once I plug in my Bluetooth earpiece on my ear, I'm looking for this sound to know that it's connected. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm, then mm. if I suddenly hear the sound of, then I know mm. oh I got disconnected. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think how it's being played, it's also quite important. Like, mm. the disconnected is usually going downwards. You know, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even when you, when, when you mm. uh, have a Zoom call or video call, when you leave the video call, the sound sounds like it's going downwards. Oh, like... Yeah, like <laughs> you put down the receiver. Ah, then when you join a call, eh? It's like yeah, yeah, it? yeah, yeah, correct, oh. correct, correct. Remember, one thing I noticed about sound also is um, like for example, to compare sound and light and movement, right? Mm. For light and movement, you need to be there to be to see what's happening, but if for sound, it's yeah. it's like invisible. Mm. You don't have to be able to see it happen for you to know that it's trying to send you a message. So you can be a uh, further distance away you in another room. Ah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it reminds me of on planes as well. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah correct, and when correct. someone calls for attendant, mm-hmm. then you have that. Yeah, yeah, the light <laughs> and then also the sound, right? Yeah. Then usually the attendant will come down. Yes, what do you need? And, and then, then they will press the light to, yeah, she to, press, do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to turn it off. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if the... Air stewards or the air stewards, right? They actually have work hazard, like phantom hearing. Maybe they, they do. They hear yeah. this sound when they go outside, also. Actually, I remember the author also brought up an example in a hospital measuring of the heart rate, yeah. like that very regular. Tit, tit, 
beep. Mm, mm. Yeah, it, it shows that, you know, the patient's heartbeat is normal. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah, correct. Um, that sound is also an assurance for the nurses to know that, okay, nothing is wrong with them. She also shared, like, practical and technical points when crafting all these sound outputs, mm. which is, first, you need to know the quality of your speaker. Mm-hmm. If your budget for the product team is high enough, the quality of speaker also... It's a good way to play around with the creativity. Mm. Yeah, doesn't mean you need to go with the highest quality, you know. Um, the other one is how far is the product from the user? Yeah, for example, um, I think usually washing machine, the sound is higher frequency and it's louder because they know that it's usually at the wash area, yeah. which is away from the living area. Yeah. Yeah, so even if you are further away, you can kind of hear a faint... Right, so that is a good example of like you know they take into a, a consideration the distance mm. from where the user will usually be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think the other one is also what other sounds are there in the environment? Mm. Yeah, is it competing with uh, other sounds? I imagine like back in the hospital example, mm. you definitely have different machines making different sounds. Or for example, like in the airplane, when someone calls for attendant, cannot be too loud ah, because yeah. there's because so many people around. You don't disturb other people. Yeah, 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 you're in the enclosed environment also. Yeah, and the other one I, I really like is you can consider what does your brand sound like. Mm. Yeah, I like it because for us, Gasu Design Life, we also think about sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even for this book club, right? Yeah. Like we were asking each other, hey, uh, does this background music Sound Suit. right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and f- actually, at first we had one uh, option which is more whimsical. Yeah, I was telling Shen, this sounds like a Hogwarts <laughs> book club thing. Yeah, and then we just kind of feel like that could be a better option, mm, you mm. know. And I think that is already us, uh, kind of drawing back to okay, how does KSDL sound like? Mm. Yeah. Okay, so we have covered both chapters 3 and 4. Woohoo! Yay! Basically, the two circles. Yes, so we have three more circles to cover. Feel free to give us any feedback or just share with us how's the experience like reading this book. Are you enjoying it? I think after these chapters, I would want to be more aware of, like, you know, what's the semantics? And mm. what's the light, sound, and movement of my daily life? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I know recently for the buses, they changed the sound of bus closing. Like, oh, they changed to okay. this very yapping sound, which is very annoying. <laughs> oh my god, I can hear from my house. Eh. Basically, when a bus is closing, it has the. Dang, 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 dang. <laughs> <laughs> also, you, you keep hearing this ringing sound even so far I from. I can't unhear it after that. <laughs> then I just tell my mom, oh my god, it sounds like a grandma yapping. <laughs> Okay, I should take note the next time I take the bus. I think it would be cool if we even start a mini project where we just take pictures of the things or the products or even take videos of products we see around us. I think that it involves sound, light or movement. Oh. Then we can even like collate it. Yeah. yeah, that would be cool. We can share it with each other. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. So... That's it for chapters 3 and 4. Looking forward to the next one. Yes. Alright. Bye.